Demons Discuss, bonus edition, the one with Deb. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the all souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean, but we're not alone. We have Deb with us. Yay! Yay! <laughs> this is a total surprise. Nice. We weren't expecting this, but hey, she dropped in and wanted to talk. So who are <laughs> we, we to say, say no? no? So Angela, tell us about Miss Deborah Harkness. Deborah Harkness. She is author, professor, historian, executive producer of Discovery of Witches, demon extraordinaire, at least in my eyes, and our demon godmother. So we'd like to welcome her to the podcast today. Yay! Yay! So, Deb, thank you. Welcome. Thank you, demons. This is awesome. <laughs> I, I've been, you know, for, for months and months and months just waiting to talk about the show to people. So this is this is really exciting. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's, it's such a pli- privilege. I can't even say it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Absolutely. We've, I've read a lot of the press out there. It's all fantastic. I haven't seen anything disparaging. And I love that there's not only like so many different types of articles. It's so many different perspectives and they're all spot on. Yeah. Lots of different perspectives. And and I think there are people who will always sort of dismiss the storyline because it has a vampire in it mm-hmm. as being, you know, ridiculous or trendy and, and therefore ridiculous. But what I've been really struck by is how many people have really been digging deep into the story and trying to get the meanings out of it. And I've just been amazed. So given this last week, fresh off the National Television Awards, did you ever see yourself in this place in your life or career back then when you were wondering what vampires do for a living in that airport (laughs) bookstore? I know we've all read that story, but here you are now. Tell us how you feel. Just tell us. (laughs) We want to know. It feels completely surreal. There are moments when I look around and I think, what has happened to my life? Like when you're sitting at the National Television Awards. Yeah. But, you know, most of the time it just feels like my life, only busier. But then there are moments like that when you look around and you see the cast of Call the Midwife, uh, you know, down in front. Or you see, I looked down the row and there was Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Those are the moments where you think, what's going on? Um, It's wonderful. But it's definitely not anything, you know, you couldn't plan or anticipate this. I couldn't. I didn't, you know, I may have written the books, but I don't have the imagination to imagine this happening. Wow. (laughs) Wow. There are a lot of big moments. The one that I lived vicariously for was Matthew and Diana in the Bodleian Advent calendar. Like, where did that come from? And I, I, of course, I don't know any of these things unless somebody tags me on Twitter. Right. And so to see that they were in the window, it just made my heart go pity pat, you know, to think that, you know, I'd made the big time. It was in the Bodleian Advent calendar. Pretty great. There's there's a whole bucket list that you don't even know exists that gets checked off almost daily now, it seems like. (laughs) Yeah, I write my my bucket list is being written retrospectively and it's filling up fast. (laughs) I didn't know I wanted to do that. What else is on that retrospective bucket list you never would have expected? Well, it definitely would have been meeting some of the cast of Call 
called The Midwife. I had lovely uh, chats with Stephen McGann, who plays Dr. Turner, um, and Victoria Yates, uh, who's one of the nuns. And I just, you know, I thought, I can't, these are such lovely people. I could talk to them forever. Oh, wow. So um, that was really, that was a bucket list item that I didn't know I even had. Um, walking down a red carpet, a really long one is pretty fun. I wish it wasn't snowing, but... Oh, my uh, goodness. Oh, wow. That's still okay. So there's another bucket list. Red carpet, red carpet with snow. Yeah, it's all good. The chemistry that we saw from the red carpet, I mean, the afterwards, the little gifs and everything, the chemistry is just off the charts. It's something that can't be faked. And you can just feel it just looking at the pictures. It looks like a fabulous time. We have a really good time together. And I guess I always just imagine that's how every show is. But now I've heard there's been a couple of comments from photographers or press saying, you guys actually really like each other, don't you? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and, and, and the answer is, yeah, we really do. It was like a family reunion. It was it was superb. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the folks you get to work with are, I mean, it's like Alex Kingston. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And didn't she look amazing? Oh, she is gorgeous. She had this sort of ostrich feathery thing. Oh, yes. Yes. Long floral and vine earrings and then a kind of flowy black pants and heels. And I just thought, oh, my God, she's just fabulous. And Teresa looked amazing. Yes. And Ashlyn oh, yes. in her, she had this incredible like red and cream checked suit, double breasted that she was wearing. And it was uh, and our favorite demon. Greg. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you didn't get to see his sort of his jacket had all skulls and snakes. Oh, oh my God. It was a hero. black, silky, you know, jacquard print. And it was, yeah, it was, everybody was great. But I think my favorite thing was Teresa's big bow. Oh, yeah. Oh, the oh, big yeah. black bow. She yeah. just looked that Dior pink with the black. Oh, and, oh. Oh, she just she, was glowing. She just yeah. looks so happy. She is phenomenal. She's the heart and soul of the show. So tell us about Queen Agatha, please. We love her. We love her. <laughs> well, and then there's Queen Agatha. So Queen Agatha. Queen Agatha is the kind of person that every single time I see her, I feel like I didn't get enough time with her. And her lovely partner, Andy, um, we sit and talk history and have to be like peeled away from each other. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Tanya is just the, has the warmest heart. And now when I go to England at Heathrow, there's an enormous poster of Tanya, um, who was a member of the Royal Shakespeare, Shakespeare Company with her arms out welcoming you to London. Oh, that's got to feel so personal for you now. It does. I kind of want to walk <laughs> up and give it a hug, which I can't do. But she's just warm and funny and so smart and just terrific. And she had the most amazing pair of red boots on. Oh, oh. she's after my own heart. Red high-heeled ankle boots with this amazing print jumpsuit. She looks like a million thousand dollars. She really did. (laughs) She sent us a little Insta saying, here's your demon mama. We're representing. And I'm like, "Ah, I 
love you. <laughs> um, she, is, she takes her role as queen of the demons very seriously. So um, very well deserved. Oh, yeah. she's wonderful. She's so wonderful. Can we ask you questions about the show and the writing since you are an executive producer and all? Go for it. Okay. So I have a big question. Um, character development. Especially for Satu, we know about Domenico because we learned about him in the outtake in uh, World of All Souls. But Satu, um, did you have an idea of her backstory before when you were writing her? Or was this something that developed over time? Because I'm really curious because I saw peaks of her in uh, Book of Life and I was wondering, well, her life must have been tough if she didn't know what she was dealing with. And she she knows she's a weaver, but she has to hide in plain sight. Did you have an idea of her backstory before? Uh, I did. Um, and so when I, you know, when I came on as executive producer, um, I was also tasked with writing the book for the show, which is the initial document with all the character descriptions and the plot arc for the, for the show. Wow. So I, that was my sort of writing job was to lay out the trajectory and the character arcs, et cetera. So I, had I didn't know everything about Satu when I started writing Discovery of Witches, but everything you're seeing in the show, I had come to understand had to have been the way Satu was by the time I got to the Book of Life. Ah. So I was able to lay that all out for that character, for Domenico, for Fernando, for Hamish, you know, in for all of the characters got their own character descriptions that were then provided to the actors uh, when we were casting um, along with scripts so that they could have some sense of their backstory and who they were as people. So that's all what I have come to know about Satu. Wow. Wow. She's kind of on a parallel track as Diana, as far as discovering who she is, but it's like one side, this is what happens when you're guided the right way. And this is what happens when you're guided the wrong way or with no guidance or something. I don't know it. That's what it felt like. Right. So for me, for Satu is somebody who, who her family has always known that they are different. They don't have a name for it. Right. Um, so in a weird way, her development is, I guess, a little bit like Stephen Proctor's would have been. Right. Huh. Um, so that that kind of, it's the big family, you know, it's the big skeleton in the family's closet. Mm. They've taken a slightly different path in that, um, you know, she's, they, the family has really wanted to capitalize and make her a powerful witch. Um, as powerful as she could be. Uh, and, and of course, you know, she, she didn't just, you know, poof, appear on the congregation. She got onto the congregation through some means, right? There's some avenue that takes somebody from, you know, the, the Arctic circle and plops them in Venice. They don't just (laughs) operate. So, So I had sort of figured out, well, she must've been recruited. Well, who recruited her? How did they recruit her? Well, it would have been, you know, would have been Peter and kind of fleshing it out that way. So that was all part of, of that attempt to, to, in my mind, you know, to get to those scenes with Satu and Diana 
in the final book, I had to know what happened to Satu during the intermediary right. time. If mm. you see what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. on screen. It, it wasn't on screen um, in terms of being, you know, in shadow of night or whatever. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Because we were just talking about her and I was like, I did not see myself rooting for her at all. And here I am. I'm like, that's right, Satu. You do it to him. <laughs> when he had her on the table and he was being like, Peter was being ruthless just to teach her a lesson. Look, you're on my team. And it's like, wow, I feel bad for Satu right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was- and, and I mean, she, it's not, it's never, it doesn't matter, you know, it, who it is, people, when people have to hide some part of themselves, you know, it is something that pulls at you because we can all empathize with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, And that's what I love about to carry on with the character development is I love how watching a lot of these, a lot of people just change their mind about characters after seeing what all you've added to their stories with these new uh, this more panoramic view as opposed to Matthew and Diana's bubble in A Discovery of Witches. And I have to say, there's a couple of times I'm like, ha I told you so when it comes to Baldwin. <laughs> I just thank you for that. Well, it's just for me, you know, when people would sort of say, well, I hate that character. My, I, I would always say, well, really, I don't I don't hate any of them. I mean, I even understand where Benjamin comes from, right? Uh, you know, and again, they're all kind of coming out of me. So it's, I can't really hate them in that way. But it it is, you know, I could always see the whole chessboard. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was only giving you a kind of, you, know, you have to imagine, like, at first, there was this laser focus on Diana, and then the focus has widened and widened and widened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the chessboard is pretty big, and you still haven't seen all of it. No, oh my no. goodness. How exciting. We don't know what we don't know. No. Well, yes. that's true. And, I, and I've told both Val and Jean, I said, Emily has been a lesson in empathy for me. I said, I've apologized to my TV screen while she's on it going, I didn't know you were going through this. I'm so sorry. I didn't, didn't, you know, empathize more. I just thought that you were just quiet and nice and, you know, and she's carrying this burden and I, I truly feel bad. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. And the way that Valerie and Alex have brought those two to life and really helped um, kind of breathe empathy into Sarah as well as Emily, you know, that why is Sarah so prickly? What kind of things is she carrying along? Mm-hmm. Just she being made able me to cry. Oh <laughs> my gosh, that, that scene where so yes. where Rebecca and Steven say goodbye to little uh, Diana uh, in the show. Oh, oh that whole episode. <laughs> yeah, episode seven. Yes, yes, that's mine. Yeah. Oh, Rip gosh. my heart out and stomp on the ground. I was buddy watching with Laura and she was laughing at me because I was like, Sarah made me cry. <laughs> Like, oh my God. And I can't it was when us. Emily said, don't cry, that we all yes. cried. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's a good actress for you. you yeah. Know. But so six, seven, and eight were directed by Sarah, and she's another one of our, our champions. She's just out there with, you know, oh, she's wonderful. Female power and empowerment of females. But she just did a stellar job. I don't know how she did it. Is there any, were you there during the filming of those episodes? Uh, I was there. For, I was there for each block. So JC, uh, Juan Carlos Medina did episodes one and two. 
Alice Trotton did uh, three, four, and five, and then Sarah Walker did six, seven, and eight. So I was there f- um, not for the whole thing, but I was there for each block of that. Got it. You know, was okay. divided up between the directors. So um, I was actually there though the day that they did the uh, Stephen and Rebecca saying goodbye. <gasps> oh my gosh! Mm. Wow. Uh, that was, yes, we were out, out on a very cold field for a very long time, but I was there on that day and um, felt really privileged to be there on that day because I think there were some, there was some amazing work done um, by everyone. And it was cold. It was cold wow. oh. and dark. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it was... Um, a lot of professionalism and good cheer got us through that day. For sure. <laughs> Imagine. Although wow. we did, we did find a little bit of humor in the fact that Stephen was driving a Lincoln Continental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's I kind think, of funny, Daddy. Yeah. I, like, I think sometimes that what British—it's like us thinking all British people wear tweed and drink tea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's a little bit older, but I didn't think he was like Lincoln Con- Town Car older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were moments there where I was like, they're, they're driving a what? Um, but, uh, but I think it's because it is a, it is quintessentially American in the British imagination. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Yeah. The Wagoneer was perfect though. Perfect. Spot and on. Of course, and I was the one saying, you're going to put them in what? <laughs> um, however, oh. they did get to, they actually took the uh, bumper stickers that I'd been given. Yeah. And Xerox them. <gasps> oh my goodness. Magnets. Oh yay. Yay. So there they were. They they had their their close up, their big moment. That yeah. was so wonderful cuz we saw those and we're like, "Yay, we know those." I was like a wood grain wagon near. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're used to questions being teacher Deb um or even author Deb, but was there any actor or actress that asked you a question about a backstory of a character that surprised you or were it particularly um insightful? Put you on the spot. I don't know if any of them really put me on the spot, but they were incredibly insightful. There were very, very smart questions. So, you know, for me, I'm there as a resource if somebody wants me. I'm not going, you know, trailer to trailer and quizzing people. (laughs) with this. So, you know, I just sort of hang around the the coffee can and or the, the tea, you know, the teapot and um, sit and and enjoy watching things transpire. Um, and everybody knows that if they they want to to chat with me, I'm there. And you know, Teresa and and Owen and Sorka and you know, they there were lots of people who asked lots of great questions. Greg McHugh did. I mean, I can't I can't actually think of any member of the cast who didn't have questions. And they were they were really smart. They were really smart. You know. Actors have amazing emotional intelligence. They have to, to do their job. Yeah. So they would just have that ability to dig really in deep and, and to ask questions. Um, you know, and I think for a lot of them, it was about, well, how much do I dislike this other species and why, you know, mm, they're interesting. trying to wow. figure out on the emotional spectrum, you know, where am I compared to, to Peter Knox? Well, do I think, 
this is okay, but not this is okay. You know, so I had really interesting questions with, with Owen and Louise, um, and Teresa and, and Aisha and, and Edward Blumel, um, about, you know, what their feelings were like for other species, which I just thought were such smart questions to be asking and that you could, I could imagine the ways in which that would help you to sort of develop and fix your character. And what was so amazing with all of them is because there was so much going on, how they could communicate so much. I mean, Aisha, as she was walking out that screen door in episode eight, it, she told, it, it, I looked at it and thought, she's talked to Deb for hours about Miriam because she just conveyed all that in one second. Yeah. In a look. Yeah, but it was also amazing because I would learn things about the characters from seeing them enact them, you know? So, oh, wow. Um, just, just in, in the way that I would think, oh, wow, that is, that is totally, like you said, that is exactly how Miriam would sit in the lab or yeah. would react if she felt threatened. And it was nothing I'd ever written down or thought about, but you, you, I would see Aisha Hart do it and just think, oh my God, that is, you'd that's recognize it. Right. Right. Like the scene for me, um, when Diana's getting ready to answer the door for Matthew, and I know in the books, she was having this inner dialogues, like she's getting ready for a date and she's like, ah, stop it, you know? But when she looks in the mirror and she just fixes her hair really quick and it went by two seconds, I saw that whole dialogue go through her face like, ah, never mind. I'm just going to answer the door. So yeah, I, oh, so good. And Teresa is, her face does speak a thousand words. Everything she's thinking and feeling is on her face. Wow. And I, I I watch her face and I watch the complex emotions and feelings and thoughts go through them. And I just think, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you do that? Was there any character you felt got amped up for the TV show? Like Peter to me seemed like, whoa, he didn't seem like this in the books. But in this TV show, I'm like, wow, he's really... In the best way possible. In, intense yeah. in the best way possible. Do you feel like anything got amped up in a good way in order to convey it on TV? Well, I, th- I think we certainly got a sense of Satu's danger earlier mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. in the book. But she was, I mean, it made her behavior with Diana in the oubliette both more scary and less shocking, if you see what I mean. Yes. yes because yeah. You kind of you you were kind of had been braced for that for some time, and I kind of feel like it was the same thing with Peter Knox, where the way that Owen played him and the complexity of the character, you knew that there was a whole lot of hostility there. Well, yeah. he puts such a charming face on evil. Why? It was amazing. <laughs> that cocktail party. Yes. Oh exactly. yes. Oh my gosh. He was so malevolent and just wonderful. Yeah. Uh. And and I mean Trevor Eve. Um, oh my goodness! It's so scary. As, <laughs> yes, as your bear. Yes, deliciously, awfully, you know, spookily uh, scary. So again, I think it, it wasn't so much that it was amped up; it's just that we really got to see it. Yeah, I kept saying he's he's a handsome man, but boy, is he creepy! <laughs> wow, there's a lot of mixed feelings in the fandom about him because it's like, wow, your bear is scary as scary as all get out, but damn, he's. 
kind of like Silver Fox Hot. It's like this yeah. whole inner conflict. We're kind of mixed. <laughs> well, this is the thing with these vampires. I mean, you know, that's how they li- that's how they live for so long. I mean, Diana tells us right at the very beginning, you know, about about the charm, the problem with the charm. Yeah, yeah. We really get to see that on the screen. Oh, and Domenico, he embodied that. Yes. And like you said, he's bad to the bone. You've always said he's bad to the bone. And then it's like, and he does have the face of an angel. (laughs) Yep. That's perfect casting. Oh, gosh. We just finished up doing an episode and love that character. Love what he did with it. Love his ability to play all ends against the middle came out so full force on the screen. Yeah. I mean, he's really out for number one. And Greg really enjoys playing that. I think he really manages to do that wonderfully while still uh, keeping your sympathies with him. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. want him. Like, I kept feeling like I wanted Domenico to to sort of turn out to be a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt about Juliet when she was walking out of the church. I'm like, you be free. I know. I wanted wanted her to have her own theme song and go off and have a rom-com somewhere. It's like, you finally (laughs) shook the the, uh, chains off there, girl. I know. Yep, I know. I just, I I felt like you really got to see that vulnerability and the the support the kind of the pain of Juliet in this amazing way. Yeah, the episode we just recorded, we said she's realizing she was used by Gerbert. She felt used by Matthew. Her her life is garbage. She's got nothing to lose. Oh, my God. You can make a musical out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Juliet, a vampire story. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I even felt for her back when she broke in... Uh, and Miriam just looked at her and she's like, an eternity is a long time to chase after a man who doesn't love you. I'm like, oh, oh man. that hurt, Miriam. And the look on her face was just, uh, oh, so good. That was some, that was some really great writing. Yeah. Uh, that, and, and performance there. I agree that, that eternity is a long time to wait for a man who doesn't love you, Juliet. I just thought, kill oh my me goodness. now. I know. Oh, I felt so bad for Juliet in that second. It's like, Oh, you're screwed, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you're so screwed. Speaking of which, we were we were chatting before this and we were wondering how, you know, you're in the solo process when you write your books, but then you're in the collaborative process when you are helping with the show. How does it differ? Easier, harder, just different altogether? It's interesting. I never think of writing as solitary because usually there's someone reading it fairly soon after I stop <laughs> writing it. Um, so it doesn't have that same sense of solitude. I am definitely not the kind of person who finishes a draft of the book, ties it up in a rope, a little ribbon and mails it off and says, you know, print that. It's perfect. I'm one of those annoying writers who wants everybody's feedback and I want notes and I want line edits and I want to make the best book I possibly can. And uh, I know mm-hmm. that doesn't come from me doing it by myself. Right. Yeah, you have that, that crisis in your head type thing where it's like, here's this chapter I just wrote. I don't know if I love love it or I hate it. I need somebody to tell me what I think of this. I say that all the time. I, I, will, I will literally write and say, well, I think this is really pretty terrible, but, you know, have a go at it and see what you think. And sometimes they say, yep, you're right. It's really pretty terrible. And sometimes they say, it's, no, I really like it. I think you just have to fix this or that or the other thing. But I've, I've come to really 
learn how the best writing is not done in isolation. And the process of collaboration on a television project is just that much larger, that much bigger. I've really enjoyed it. I, you know, it's never, nobody, nobody likes to be told they're not doing, I don't like it when people say, no, that actually doesn't work. And I have to go off and think hard about how to fix it. But it does, everybody kind of appreciates that it's the name of the game and it's what makes something really, you know, work or not work. So as a follow up to that, with the collaboration and all the work that you've been doing on the TV show, how is that informing all the things that you won't tell us about that you're working on now? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't, I don't know if it's mm. really informing it. So, you know, I'm working on things that are nowhere, aren't really, um, for one reason and another, aren't really directly in the crosshairs of the camera, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the stuff that I'm working on now is either stuff that is backstory to certain events like Serpent's Mirror or is kind of character backstory in, in the sense of Gallo Glass's stuff or is sort of stuff that isn't getting told in the case of this other thing that I'm working on. And it's just, um, it, so it sort of just feels like I'm sort of dancing around the edges of what's actually sort of happening. Um, which is for right now, you know, what we're really focused on is getting the scripts written for the second series so that we can do casting and pre-production and build sets and, you know, start filming. Will it still be called a Discovery of Witches series two? Yep. It'll just still be a Discovery of Witches. Um, that's, they love that title. And I think it's, it is kind of the, the book that starts the series. So I mm-hmm. think it, it's probably a, a good decision. Are, what are you excited about seeing on screen from Shadow of Night? Oh my God, Elizabethan London. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> More specifically, I've, spent, I've spent most of my life studying it. So, yeah. uh, to, to, to have them... You know, now that I've seen what they could do to rebuild the Bodleian. Oh, good point. Oh, my goodness. James North is a magician. Yeah, he really is. They all are. You know, I mean, I think actually one of my, one of the sets that I think was the most amazing was the Witch's Archive at the Congregation. Oh, yes. 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 With the hanging crocodile. I mean, I sort of said, well, you know, there's this and that and the other thing and it would be, you know, hanging crocodile and, and, and they sort of, you know, their hands were just going and they, they went out and sourced all the stuff. And when I saw the witch's archive, I just wanted to live there. Oh, my yeah. gosh. We were talking about I wanted to open the jars. I wanted to look at the books. I wanted <laughs> to touch everything. Yeah. I wanted to work at that table late at night because that looked like a really great work table. I know. So James and Dan and Kate, who is the Kate's the prop uh, supervisor. I mean, these guys, the three of them are just, I think they're magicians or alchemists or wizards or something, you know, pick your, pick your, your phrase. I, I just think that, uh, they're amazingly talented and I cannot wait to see Elizabethan London. Will we ever get to see the demons archives? I don't know. We'll have to ask them. <laughs> somebody at some point, somebody said to me, well, what would it look like? I said, you know, 
a lot of mid-century modern furniture and a basketball hoop. <laughs> oh my God, that's that. about right. That's about right. And a piano. <laughs> and a piano, busted or not. So why the crocodile? You know, they were, it was one of those things where they used to be hung up in apothecary shops back mm-hmm. in the early modern and medieval period, as best we can tell. Ah. So they got, they got linked into magic. You know, they were, they were believed to have medicinal properties. And so it's a weird thing. Most alchemy labs are off, you know, some of those genre paintings that were at the science history mm-hmm. or, um, organization and other pictures like, you know, uh, later pictures of John D will often have them in a library that has an alligator, um, hanging from the ceiling. So they just kind of became associated with them in this weird way. Um, yeah. And here, all I thought was Eggleton Price <laughs> and Bedknobs <laughs> and Broomsticks because she had the crocodile as well. Nope. So you had your cameo in A Discovery of Witches. I think it also is kind of when we saw that, of course, you heard our collective gasp and cheer and <laughs> internal squee. What would you want for a cameo in season two or series two? Well, I've made no secret to anybody that I, I wish to be a plump middle-aged, um, middle-class housewife going shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I want a farthingale and a ruff and a pair of pattens and a basket and, you know, a servant behind me. And <laughs> I just, I'm I'm really holding out for that, I hope. Oh, um, they'll give the, it to you, I think. the ultimate thing. Who's going to get to well, be your servant? I was going to say, should, should, Pierre, should Pierre make season two, I would love for you to bump into him. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Duly noted. Uh, Got a uh, half Pierre. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some like uh, mind bending fandom questions, I think. Okay. So, AB negative. Were you guys punking us? What's going on there? <laughs> An episode, what was it? Episode two? Yeah, episode two. They went with the AB negative mistake. Was that like a nod to the mistake in the books or just a mistake? Uh, you know what? I think it was just that they went with what was in the books. Oh. <laughs> we were kind of hoping they were punking us. <laughs> no, I think they were just they were just going with it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and the other big question is the tie. Um, time walking meant for inclusion, or I think it was just a continuity mistake. Okay, I said I didn't even notice it. Just to show, just to tell you. Uh, no, we just saw chatter, but I said, I'm not much of a romantic, but I do believe in magic. So I'm continuing to believe that it's just magic. Yes. <laughs> you believed in the French kiss, though. This is true. <laughs> hey, hey, now, just let us have that, okay? okay. <laughs> I believe what I want. <laughs> we would be remiss if we did not ask you this question, but everybody's probably going to want to know, what was Matthew Good like? He was absolutely lovely. He is, he is somebody who is very introverted, mm-hmm. um, something that as an introverted Aries with a performative side myself, I can completely relate to. Mm-hmm. He, he's born in early April, as am I, and um, certain parts of our personalities are actually quite similar in that we both have a, a strong introverted side. He is absolutely um, a 
just he he's, he really is kind of uh, concerned about the the cast and the crew and their well being. Very funny. He has got a wicked sense of humor, um, and he is again like the rest of them. He is very very smart. I think it's it's amazing. He he uh, definitely knows his theater. He knows his Shakespeare. He knows his Milton and John Donne, and uh, you get him going on old literature, and wow. uh, it's hard to keep up with him. So. So would it be fair to say he's probably going to have a lot of fun playing the best friend of Kit Marlowe next season? I think he's going to have a lot of fun being the head of a brat pack. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> so. Wow. So I, I noticed on your Facebook Live you were excited to see what was going to happen with Kit Marlowe. Can you explain why? Oh, yeah. I can't wait till he's cast, you know, and we can all start imagining whoever it is in the role. But um, yeah, I think that's going to be an amazing role for someone to play. I'm really looking forward to seeing it and seeing the dynamic. I love the dynamic between Matthew and uh, Matthew Good and Edward Blumel and the characters oh, of Matthew and Marcus. And I, I love the dynamic between Matthew and uh, Greg McHugh, Hamish. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that those um, male relationships are just so fascinating. And so I can't wait to see what he's like with, with, the, with the lads, as I call them. <laughs> We're looking for, forward to that, too, because I think, and, at least for Angela and I, the School of Night and oh, maybe yes. seeing more of him and Wal- uh, Matthew and Walter together. I'll take I'll take him with any of them. Yeah, you know, singly in a group, however they want to do it. I just I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I think they're such an intriguing group of of people, and um, I think it's a, it'll be an amazing thing to have them and to have the counterweight of the coven. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, so this this group of women and this group of men, which is very typical for what it would have been like in the period where. Uh, you know, a lot of the social relations and daily life stuff would have been fairly a um, little bit separated and co- according to gender lines. So, Will yeah. you be having the same cos- costume crew and uh, designer on season two as it's a period? That's my understanding. I'm not sure if anything. Hi, Baxter is, um, is decided, uh, completely confirmed, decided and contracted yet. But that's certainly, I think, the intention at the moment. Are we going to see more of the blending of past and present? You know, I don't honestly know how. I don't think anybody knows exactly how we're going to handle that quite yet. I think that's going to be one of those collaborative decisions that a lot of people are going to have to sit around a table and and talk about various options before we, um, you know, alight on the right one. And it'll be something none of us individually imagined. Probably. It'll be fun. It seems like a daunting prospect to gets Shadow of Night into one season. Absolutely. Um, but I thought it was a daunting prospect to get Discovery of Witches into one season. And, <laughs> That's and they beautiful. managed to do it. So, uh, and they, they added stuff to it. I mean, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, and I can't understand how anyone would be dissatisfied with things being missing because it was always countered by something we didn't see before. Wonderful that we've never seen before. Right. And that's what I, you know, way back when, that's what I really, you know, hope that asked people to think about it and hope that people would notice was the ways in which, you know, we were, you were getting, you were getting stuff you hadn't seen um, in exchange for not seeing some of the things you already knew so well. So they did a wonderful job with it. Yeah. I really think they, I, I, I have said it before and I will say it again. I really do think it's one of the finest book adaptations I've ever seen. 
because I think it was really true to the spirit and the feeling of the books. And that is not easy to do. Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, it as a reader, it carried all of the true messages, the messages of acceptance and empathy and the yeah. story of how to get there. I mean, there was such a spirit in it. And like you were saying earlier, when we as we were talking, the, the fact that so many different genre reviewers and whatnot are all coming away with different things, but they're all coming away with the message too. Yeah. Which is just phenomenal. Which is really wonderful. Can't yeah. ask for more than that. No. So listen, guys, I have to go and, and uh, deal with dinner, which is hopefully <laughs> um, not burnt on the stove. Oh, goodness. But, uh, anyway, I just want to make sure that we, uh, that I uh, take the time to thank you. Oh, thank you, Pat Thanks Baxter, for, for us. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, audience, if you're still with us after the break, we will close this thing out. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at demonsdiscuss or at demonsdomain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., text A-D-O-W as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text A-D-O-W to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spammer code, and that's it, your discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! All right, guys. How do you think that interview went? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was a pleasure. I, it's it's wonderful oh. just to have a conversation with Deb and uh, hear her her hear her side of it. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, it was so magical again, especially with the TV show going on right now, and we're just all floored by so much excitement. How it turned out, and fresh off the awards, and oh my God! And you guys, you know, if you don't subscribe to her newsletter, you should you need to go to deborahharkness.com and scroll down and make sure you subscribe to her newsletter she includes so many things from the month things that happen things on social media so even if you're not on twitter and facebook regularly at least if you subscribe to her newsletter you will get the news there will be nothing you miss from her oh listen guys uh all souls con tickets will be on sale really really soon okay so keep your eyes out for that and i think I think I don't think there's anything else. I think that was a good enough surprise for all of us, right? I know. Yeah. And I hope everybody's enjoying the show. Oh yes. my god. Binge binge and binge some more. Yep. And tell you what, uh we're not done. You're going to hear from us again this week because we are going to do episode 3 and you're going to hear it. So let's say goodbye everybody. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Demon kiss. Mwah. And we'll talk to you tomorrow next day. Really soon. Okay, bye. <laughs> you're going to get sick of us. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha